This is Good Karma Wrestling. Welcome to another edition of GKW. I'm Gabe Neitzel from ESPN Milwaukee. With me, as always, we have Brian Rowitz from ESPN West Palm. And catch him on ESPN 1000 in Chicago. Apparently right now is also hiding out in the Miz's home. Say hi to Dexter Loomis for us. He is Jonathan Hood. <laughs> and where we start uh, in, in for GKW this week, we start for a main event next week. As we start with Box versus Danielson, it was decided last night. It's how they opened the show with uh, John Moxley going up against Sammy Guevara. They closed it with the rematch from All Out, Chris Jericho versus Brian Danielson. And we get an all-BCC final with Mox versus Danielson. Are you guys okay with this being the final for the AEW championship? Oh, Sunshine, what am I going to do? BCC versus BCC, Sunshine, what do I do? Uh, you know, so, so I tell you what, uh, William Regal's going to have his hands full, man. You got, you got two great guys, two great competitors, Moxley and Danielson going at it for the AEW championship. So the story for me, bro, is how healthy will that knee be from Danielson? As he took on Chris Jericho, there was an injury situation there with Danielson. How much does that play in effect? Because... What we have at this point, post CM Punk, is two locker room leaders that'll be going at it. Moxley, is he going to return as a three and have he a three-time champion, or Danielson get his first taste at gold? I think that story is intriguing. Yeah, I agree, and I think the one time we saw these two in a ring in AEW was back in March uh, at Revolution, and they tore the place down. They went over twenty minutes. That was the night Regal debuted and sort of birthed the BCC. So I think overall, like. This is going to be fun. This feels a little bit differently. I don't know if I'll feel that way if Mox ends up winning the title because I think Brian winning it is sort of that breath of fresh air. But we know those two are going to deliver. It's only two hours, though, and it's a jam-packed card, so I just hope they get enough time to work on Wednesday. Yeah, they, they have to give them enough time. Like I'm, like, I'm guessing maybe you keep a couple of minutes to overrun on TBS. You're going to give them enough time. I understand. I mean, as of right now, you have four other championship matches with – a fifth one that's going to be added with the tapings that happened last night for Rampage. That's going to get announced. You're going to have five title matches on that card. So you're, you're going to want to give it enough time, I think, at the end, especially knowing how good this can, could potentially be. And they found a way to get both those matches, the semifinal matches, enough room last night by opening and closing the show with that. So I, I have faith that they'll do that. Where I, I mean, I started this thing and I said, hey, Mox needs to be the guy. I'm a John Mox Mark. Like every, I've made that perfectly clear. Yeah. Um, I agree with you that Danielson's that breath of fresh air. But is this fair? CM Punk has just been injured twice while claiming the championship. Yep. Are, is there any concern about Brian Danielson being able to have a lengthy run because he may have to break down because he just came off of a fairly lengthy hiatus due to some health concerns as well after everything that happened at Blood and Guts? I'd be concerned. Absolutely, I'd be concerned because of the concussion issues that Brian Danielson has had. If nothing else, John Moxley, it's not just AEW. He wrestles in the indies too. I mean, he's in Game Changer Wrestling all the time. If nothing else, bro, it's he's durable and he wants to be the champion. And I think that at this point in time, I have no problem with him winning the championship again. Either way, for Arthur Ashe in New York, I think that that's a great main event. And I think if Moxley wins again, that's fine. You don't have to swerve me, by the way. As a wrestling fan, don't swerve me and think, 
oh, Moxley is the favorite, but okay, here comes Danielson. Well, is Danielson healthy enough to be able to carry the, the load for AEW moving forward? That's the question. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, you brought that up last week when I suggested Brian winning the tournament. And they started playing up the injury last night. I believe, like, Taz was pushing that it's like a heel injury. Like, he went into this whole thing about the boots and the type of boots he was wearing, which was a little too much. But whatever. They're playing their seeds <laughs> and sort of building that to, you know, sort of give that underdog mentality next week. But it's going to be a great reaction no matter who wins. I agree there has to be a little concern. But I do think at this point, if knock on wood brian has heard at any point during this title reign if he is the champ you just got to work through it not saying he needs to stay in the ring but you find a way to work around it to where you can't have an interim champion yet again hold on just a damn second so Uh-oh. you're the guy that will watch anything on fight the uh-huh. the match the, the barnyard you know animal matches that they have on fight you know in the middle of <laughs> iowa on saturday night and yet Taz talking about wrestling footwear. That's too far. That's too far. I can't have that. That's too far. That was definitely a little too much. And I think this is the opening you've afforded me here. Shout out to our guy Primo Luigi with a big dynamite debut last night. It might have been five seconds, but still, I think friend of the show, despite, you know, poor cell phone service. But hey, a good night for the chef to appear on dynamite last night. Well, He's shooting he- on a cell phone. Wow. <laughs> Hey, I'm, I, for one, am hoping that the five seconds is going to afford him to be able to pay that cell phone bill. So the next yeah. interviews he does does not have the poor connection either. That's just what I'm personally hoping for. Uh, as uh, for- uh, uh, nothing like the rub of GKW. He comes on the show, <laughs> boom, he gets five seconds on Dynamite. He should be paying us to be on there. That's, right. That's great. Uh, as, for, as for this match... I kind of like that it ended like this because if I, I feel like if Guevara, if there would have been an upset in terms of Guevara winning or if Jericho would have defeated um, Brian Danielson, I just don't think – I think we go into the match going, okay, it's pretty obvious who's going to win, right? Like they were – I don't think they were going to put it on Guevara. I don't think they were going to put it on Jericho. So now at least you have some of that mystery. So there, I, there are clearly going to be some false falls, you know, some close calls, two counts. Are you going to tap out? Are you going to reach the rope in time? They'll do plenty of that in the suspense reel because I honestly don't know who they're going to put the championship on. It makes sense for either guy. Yeah, yeah I it's hard to with that. And like, what about like the guys on the outside? Like, there's sort of been stuff with Brian and Daniel Garcia, the Wheeler Yuta stuff from what feels like forever ago, but it was only a couple weeks ago, where you know he basically gives that little shove to Danielson. Like, is there something with those two guys that they end up getting involved on Wednesday? Yeah, as far as Sammy Guevara is concerned, you know, nothing against his wife, uh, Ty Mello. I'm glad that they're married. But all of a sudden now, the gimmick is kind of is kind of cold. You know, like yeah. there was a time where we could consider Sammy Guevara the future AEW champion. And this is whether he's involved with Jericho or not. We kind of look at him as like, well, you know, a lot of uh, from this youth movement AEW, he's going to be a future champion. Now the he's he's married with Ty. It's like. You know, are, are, you know, is this guy going to be a serious contender? We know he can go. We know that he's a tremendous wrestler, but then he always needs his wife for outside interference. That's kind of go away heat for me at times. I think one-on-one, the match was fine, and then all of a sudden she's coming down with Anna Jay. It's like, okay, here we go again, right? He can't do it on his own. So I hope that Sammy can get back up there because was the match good? Yeah, it was, it was very solid. Uh, but he doesn't need outside interference uh, all the time. He's better than that. Oh, 100%. Like, and I think when we were having those conversations, like my favorite version of Sammy Guevara was when 
the inner circle was going through their kind of breakup and he walked out of the ring and saying, Hey, figure your shit out. Like you guys got to figure it out. I'm just going to do me. I'm going to be a badass. That's going to go win championships. That version of Sammy Guevara to me. Yeah. That can be a future world champ. Yeah. This version of the smarmy heel. Cause the problem is now for him, MJF is back. Like you can't be the top heel in the company. It's the top young heel in the company, especially that ain't going to happen. That spot's already taken. Like, so if you want to climb to that level, to me, he's got to go back to being that badass baby face. Yeah, but the other thing, like, in terms of him as a heel, like, early on in this mellow stuff, like, there was a lot of heat towards a lot of them. And I think people legit hated seeing them on TV doing what they do. But last night was just sort of silent with him out there. So, like, something was lost. Something there. Like, even him and Jericho, like, I don't know. I feel like that was sort of the turn where, like, once they put him with Jericho again, it's like, all right, like, I guess you need someone to stand on like that. I think sort of hurt some of the heat towards them. Yeah. And as far yeah. as, as far as the Jericho matchup, I like with Danielson. I'm watching, I'm thinking for that first one that we saw on the pay-per-view, that was a classic match. I thought it was the best match we saw at all out. The second one, you can just tell TV time. It was good. I didn't know if it was great. Um, and, and Jericho, you know, he, he took a, they, he took some punishment. I thought it was okay. I thought it was I it was a solid match, but not great. But Danielson's moving on. I, I just thought it was, you know, all of this has been building blocks. Post CM Punk and the, all the nonsense that happened in Chicago, they're building towards something. And, and Off the Rash is going to be fun because we have a special show for our ESPN New York audience. After uh, Off the Rash, we will be broadcasting live uh, at 10 Eastern, 9 Central, right after AW Grand Slam on Wednesday. A special GKW for our New York audience. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great promo. Let's get into the other three things that we want to talk about on today's show. The other top three stories in the world of professional wrestling. We like to call it the three count. What do we have at number one, Brian? All right, guys. We will start with next Wednesday night. AEW Dynamite Grand Slam from Arthur Ashe. It'll be headlined by Mox versus Brian Danielson for the world title. We will also see Swerve in our glory defend the tag titles against the acclaimed and interim women's title four-way featuring Tony Storm, Serena Deeb, Athena, and Britt Baker. And the All-Atlantic title will be on the line as Pac defended against Orange Cassidy. Which match are you most looking forward to on Wednesday? Um, Pac versus Orange Cassidy is a little underrated on the card. I'm going to say that. I think it's going to it gets, it's going to get overshadowed, understandably so, because like I don't know if everybody still knows that that's the All-Atlantic all title. I'm not even sure if I 100% got that correct. So, like, the stakes for it aren't exactly high. But the, the one I'm looking forward to the most is Swerve versus Swerve in Our Glory versus The Acclaimed. Like, it was, it, you know, it was clearly, to me, they're trying to right the wrong of they should have had The Acclaimed go over in Chicago. I guess the, the hope is that you still have that momentum. You still have that incredibly hot, passionate crowd for The Acclaimed when they come out. And... Again, I think the way you potentially do that is you don't let the acclaim rap again. You know, you have the acclaim to come out first, and then you have Swerve in our glory cut them off before uh, Max Caster can can get off his his verses. So that's the one I think I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, I, I think that um, people are looking forward to seeing the acclaim win the championship. I mean, if AEW is still a relative, uh, relatively new company, Gabe, and I'm thinking – you know, if this is WWE and Vince is on the headset and he hears how the crowd's reacting, he might tell the referee, switch it up. He might he might tell them, hey, put the championships on the claim. But the AEW didn't do that. And so this will probably be even in grander fashion happening at Arthur Ashe for uh, the acclaim to win. 
Um, I, I would say, as far as Pac and Orange Cassidy, what a weak setup. So you mean one yeah. punch makes Pac lay on the ground with the, with the uh, glazed look on his face and not respond to Orange Cassidy? He's looking up like he's never been hit in the face before. It's Pac after all, right? He's never been hit before. <laughs> I mean, come on, bro. Like, that's your setup for this ch- championship matchup? It's like, boy, you could do much better than that. Whatever. Um, but I, I'm just going to go to the top. I'll take the chalk because I just think whoever wins the world championship, bro, it's, it will tell you about who's going to lead the company moving forward. You got two You got two veterans and Moxley and Danielson. To me, uh, give it, if hopefully they're given time. And by the way, I'll call it now. That may or may not be the main event for Dynamite. What if the heavyweight championship matchup is first and Swerve in Our Glory mm. is last? That could happen too, by the way. Either way, I think it's going to be a great night, but I'm looking forward to the world title. See, I agree. I, I'd say the world title match also, but I'll throw this out in terms of the tag team title match. Is it 100% guarantee the acclaimed are winning on Wednesday? Because if they are, and we all assume they are, and that's why they're having this match, that entire match is just like, okay, when are they going to win? When are they going to win? And then all of a sudden, what if they don't win? Because I feel like that could get a little ugly if they swerve in the glory keep the titles on Wednesday. <laughs> oh, Tony, 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 you can't do it, bud. You just can't do it. Like, there's, you know, you don't want it. You, look, you're able to make good with the Chicago crowd. You let CM Punk win, and then you let CM Punk do what he did in the press conference afterwards. But, like, you cannot, I repeat, cannot. Let's that happen again. Again, I just think they're going to be way too hot. Everybody's going to be way too excited. The thing I'm excited for most about that world championship match is we're actually hopefully going to get some stories because it's been a while since we've actually had meaningful story around that belt because of the entry A to CM Punk. So you knew that Punk was going to be coming back and facing Mox once Mox won at Forbidden Door. And Mox had some good matches, right? Like he was having those those interim championship matches that he was fighting on Dynamites seemingly weekly while CM Punk was out in the in the re, in the run up to All Out. But you couldn't tell any real meaningful story because you knew that the money match was going to be Punk versus versus Mox for the unification of the title. And then you have to vacate it right away. So now we've got to take a couple more weeks and put together a tournament that doesn't really have storylines. It's pretty good matches. Like I don't want to make it seem like I'm complaining about that. It's pretty good matches. But I'm excited that we're going to have a champion. And now whoever that champion is, whether it's Mox, whether it's Brian Danielson, we're going to get meaningful stories behind those matches as well going forward. Yeah, all of this is a hitting the reset button for AEW, right? When you don't have the Young Bucks and, and Kenny Omega, CM Punk, is going to be out for quite some time. This is how you do it, man. You got to clean up the mess. And the way you do that, and I'm going to give AEW credit here for once. Uh, the way you do that, bro, it's is if you're trying to clean up your mess, the best way out of it is wrestling. You know, like like away from all the drama, the the, the elixir to the issues with this company is put on some banger matches, tell some stories, and just put it to the side. Just remember coming out of All Out. They didn't even mention CM Punk's name. Uh, the only time that we've seen a mention of CM Punk is a fan in the with a sign in Albany about like <laughs> CM Punk owns the Young Bucks, which is kind of yeah. cool. That sign I saw in the crowd, but I like how they've just kind of tried to move on from this because it's been a PR nightmare, at least for the time being. It was a PR nightmare for them. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's what they've been giving us the last few weeks since that. In terms, Gabe, of your point about like the actual storyline, we obviously see the path they're going with MJF and Mox. I'm curious to see if that means that's going to be for the world title or if Brian wins the title, Mox and MJF do their own thing 
and then you get Brian versus somebody else in terms of the title picture. I wonder if Mox versus MJF ends up being down the road. If Mox doesn't win, I think Mox is going to take that vacation that he was going to take and, you know, at least maybe try to catch the last couple of weeks of his uh, fishing vacation that he had planned because he was supposed to be gone for six weeks, I believe, uh, yeah. was what he was supposed to be gone for. So if Mox ends up, man, if, if he ends up losing and then goes right into a feud with MJF, like – Give the guy a little bit of time off. Like give him, yeah. give him a couple weeks. I think, I, I think that's the way to go with Mox. But if again, if he wants to be the world champ and he's cool with sacrificing that vacation, to me that also just grows the legend of John Moxley. Like he's, like, it's not a big thing, but it is. You know, like okay, so he had to give up a vacation. Like he'll be fine. He'll figure it out. But at the same time, like one of the big conversations over wrestling over the last four or five years has been, okay, how do you figure some time off for these guys? Like, cause it's just such a brutal schedule to be doing these weekly shows, especially in WWE where you have house shows that cut back on those, obviously, um, especially with the pandemic and everything, but time off for these guys, it, it's, it's really important. And it allows you to kind of step back, hit that reset button. So if that's what they end up doing with Mox, but if he does, again, if he decides to give that up, that to me just grows the legend of John Moxley in the eyes of the fans. Okay, I have a question, and I'm, I'm sorry, bros, this is not in the format. This is not in our lengthy format that we have here uh, once a week. I mean, it's a lot, of, a lot of pages in the format of this show. But I, I will say this. So let me ask this question. Guys, what would you rather see? Would you rather see – because all of this stems on MJF being the future champion. This is what it's all about. Like, whatever happens at Grand Slam, whoever wins, you got to deal with MJF. So MJF against Danielson or MJF against Moxley? What would you rather see? What's what's the better match for you? MJF versus Mox. I think that's yeah. a better story, but I think MJF versus Brian is the better match. Mm -hmm. Sure. If that's yeah. better. Yeah, no, because, I mean, Brian Danielson is better in ring than John Moxley. Yeah. I, I don't think... I think all of us would agree with that assessment because Brian Danielson is one of the best in-ring performers, I think. Um, but, yeah, I think Mox would be a better story because Mox has also – not only do you have the promo and everything that was set up, you know, the, the night after when Mox came back and interrupted MJF, but you also have the symbolism of MJF being anti-AEW. And Mox, who has been Mr. AEW and been the guy that they can call on. So if MJF goes over Mox, there's a huge, there's a bigger symbolism there as well if if MJF goes over Mox. Yeah. So, bro, do you remember that promo that uh, Moxley had? It was such a pro-AEW, uh -huh. you know, promo talking about the business and talking about, you know, I, mean, I thought it was one of his better promos. He wasn't a maniac. He was actually <laughs> talking about how much he loves the business. So I like that a lot. And then on the but the, what the MJF character is interesting because MJF he he believes in in AEW but feels like AEW doesn't believe in him. And that's what it comes across to with me. Sure. Like he talks about like you know in 2024 I'll be a hot free agent. You know you guys believe in Punk. You be, you guys believe in Jericho. All these other guys. But what about me? I'm one of the originals. It's almost like Raven. It's almost like, yeah, what about me? What about Raven? The old, the old hue and cry of Raven when he was at ECW. And it's kind of in that same way, like, hey, man, all these people around here, you keep these big-time free agents and all these former WWE guys, what about me? And that's why he's lashing out. You know, in a, in a heel way, you know what, Gabe? 
he has every right to feel that way if he's MJF, mm-hmm. right? He feel, I like the story of that. It's I think in the layers of the character, I, that's what I see from MJF. He's kind of uh, scorned. Did 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 Albany cheer when he told them to shut up? I feel yeah. like they were like, I feel, like he is trying real hard to still be <laughs> that heel, and nobody is letting him. Everyone's like, oh, he told us shut up. Yeah, we're awesome. Yeah, love you, MJF. Shut- Shut up, <laughs> shut up, fat boy. And it's me. Hey, I'm fat. Yeah. It's me. He called me an idiot. This is awesome. But like I feel like storyline-wise, like to your point, Jay Hood, you could work that with Brian. Like Brian could be the guy he points at and say, like, oh, you're the all-encompassing, you know, you're the big name. You can't stay healthy, and yet you get the money I should be getting. And you know, you're the big WWE guy that Tony wants to fork over all the money to. And that's the angle. Because the other thing to remember, and I just looked this up. The next pay-per-view isn't until November 19th. That's a full two months of build to whatever they're going to do at full gear. And obviously, we've seen in the past, there are going to be times where they're just going to throw stuff on Dynamite. You're like, wait, I thought that was a pay-per-view match. But two months is a long time to build up to something. Yeah, I'm sure we've got another catchy Dynamite coming up here on a way before that. I mean, winter is coming. It's not till probably January, I would assume. Okay. Could be wrong about that. But winter is coming is one of the themes that they always like to do. You know, I don't know, you know fall break. I don't know. Who knows what they decide yes. to, to call a, a random yes. Dynamite. And don't, and, and don't forget, gentlemen, don't forget the day before Thanksgiving, back to Chicago. Did you see that yesterday? Back to what? Chicago the day before Thanksgiving. What that, is that, back here again? Because that, I mean, well, I mean, the fact that they did um, Forbidden Door in Chicago, but then their go-to, like they've done, when they've been able to do shows the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, they've always gone back to Chicago. Why? Because they can rely on a crowd showing up the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. Drunk. That's why. And drunk. And drunk. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they don't care if you're drunk. They just want you to be in the seats. They just want to look yeah. okay on TV. They just yeah. want to be able to rely on you showing up. Location that they're going to Seattle for the first time, but it's the same day as Wrestle Kingdom. So does that mean you rule Brian out for Wrestle Kingdom? Saw that going around oh, last night. Oh, yeah. All right. So, yeah, so it's interesting. There's some AW guys that want to wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom for New Japan and will not be allowed to. It's just a TV taping, brother. Like, you know, like, you know, you, you, some of those guys should be allowed to go. It's a two-hour show alone at Rampage. If you mm-hmm. don't have all the stars, it's not like Seattle's not going to be there because it's their first time being in Seattle. And so I think that'll it'll just – I think that'll be fine. If someone to go over there – The hometown guy. Oh, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And he's, he's the one who I think – Mostly is the one who wants to go wrestle in Wrestle Kingdom. That's kind of why, at least at the time, he hinted he was going to leave WWE and WWE was trying to work out something with New Japan so he could actually do some of those matches. And I think you'll let it since Brian had to miss, you know, Forbidden Door. But maybe that's just me. Uh, What's number two on the three count? All right, going over to the WWE world, a lot of reports circulating around Roman Reigns and the two-plus-year title reign and how it might end. So we're going to put on our fantasy booker caps. Who, from the last 20 years, would you have beat Roman for the titles? So I, I don't think the list is very long. Because, you, I mean, you go back, it's, it's crazy. If you go back 20 years, WWE was still WWF. Like, they were just making that switch in 2002. Um, and, and you look... Look at some of those past champions. 
list of five that I don't believe in most of them in terms of beating Roman in the run that he's currently on. Um, the list of five that I that I put on there that at least would be intriguing, and I think of like how hot they were at the time. Um, clearly, John Cena has to be on that list, um, just because. I mean, the last twenty years is the John Cena era, more or less, of WWE. Um, I think you would put Edge in there with the SmackDown Six era and, and and many championships as he won. Batista would be an interesting one to me, just from like. Again, you think of Vince of, oh, two big guys. Yeah, this is going to be great. I'm going to make so much money. Um, and then you think of the Summer of Punk, and you think of Brian Danielson and the Yes Movement. Those are those are the five that I came up with of potentials, and I'm not even sure I would book any of those guys to go over Roman Reigns and what he's currently doing. But those are like the five that I could like feel I could make at least a case for of the list of, of past WWE champions over the last 20 years. It's a it's a tough list, and, and the reason why it's twenty years is because that does not include Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? Correct. So, so, so Austin can't be on that list. This is post Austin and Rock's. I think Rock's leaving in what two thousand two. Yeah, I think that Rock reign when he beat Punk. So you get Hollywood. Yeah, Rock. yeah. So you've got. I think Rock has two <laughs> reigns in the last twenty years. I think he caught one barely at the end of two thousand two. And then, yeah, he when he came back and had those back-to-back mania matches, yeah, he had the reign after he defeated CM Punk at uh, um, Royal Rumble. See, this is a tricky question because this shows you about Vince and his lack of foresight post-Rock, post-Austin. This is why the era has just been kind of loose. It's just been Undertaker, Kane, that – but but here's here's what I would say. All the guys that you named, Dave, are are correct, and I think it'll be good matches. So Kurt Angle would have to be on that list. Yeah. So so Kurt Angle against Roman Reigns. I mean, I think you can get that with, with Chad Gable, but you won't put him over. Shush, shush, please. So so you so you thank don't get you. That, right? <laughs> so we don't get thank you. I mean, so so we can't get that against Roman because you because he's a character. And you don't you won't allow that to happen because the guy is Kurt Angle two but they won't allow him to do that. Okay, fine. So then you mentioned Batista. As much as I would love to see Roman against Shawn Michaels during that era, I think that would be a banger. I think that would be a fantastic mm-hmm. match because that fits the last 20 years. Yep. The late Eddie Guerrero would have been a great win against Roman, especially if Eddie is the, is the baby face. So I think that, that those are the names that I came up with because a lot of those guys, like I don't want to see Goldberg. That's – uh, post WCW, when he comes into WWE, I don't want to see that. I don't need to see that match ever again. Goldberg and Roman Reigns. It's nonsense. But isn't that, didn't that say something, bro? It's, you looked at the list. Yeah. Post, you know, the last 20 years, I mean, Austin was done in Seattle at WrestleMania 2001. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nin- so 99. Brock won his first title. Yeah. Yeah. So for so, me, when I looked at the list, like I thought of like the names that like were sort of those mania moments. Cause like, it seems like we're going down the path that it's going to be mania when he drops the titles. And to me, like the most memorable mania moments from those 20 years is Brian, obviously in the whole yes movement. And I think Kofi also like imagine Kofi winning a rumble and building that up and like, Oh, there's no chance Kofi's going to win. And you do Usos versus new day earlier in the card and the Usos win that. And then Kofi gets his title moment by ultimately ending Roman's run. 
Like that's just sort of where I went. Like you take those big time moments and take them another step further because they're ending Roman's run. Yeah, but nobody actually believes that Roman's run is going to end at Mania, right? Because again, the hope seems to be the Rock, and they're not going to put the titles on Rock. Well, what if you do where he made events both nights for each title? That's fine. Uh, I'll, 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 let me just throw this in as well. Have we seen Roman Reigns against Randy Orton? Because that that would qualify the last twenty years too, correct? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, we've 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 definitely seen it at some point. We have not seen, I believe, the Viper versus the head of the table character. I mean, I, but I like a young Randy Orton, like oh three oh four when he got the championship right away. I mean, like this blue chipper that they really liked. I mean, the legend imagine killer. That? Yeah, the legend killer. Yes, <laughs> that that would be a hell of a match. And of course, I mean, I guess we don't have to mention it, but I mean, clearly Triple H against Roman is the ultimate main event. If a healthy Triple H in his prime that was run, it was ruling the roost, that'd be a hell of a match. Well, how about this one I'll throw out there? Obviously, it would take moving around some other things or, you know, I guess Avengers style if you're messing with the timeline. What if Taker doesn't lose to Brock, Taker ends it, he gets a run as like a year champion, and then it's, you know, title versus career. Roman ends the streak, and that's the end of Taker. We don't have to, you know, suffer through some of those end of Taker matches at Mania. <laughs> suffer, you said. Suffer yeah. through those matches. <laughs> some of them were rough. I mean, I mean, he he definitely suffered. I know yeah. that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> we suffered through those. Yeah, you're right. That's some, some of that shit was painful. You're right about that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I saw. I, so those names, I think, gave. I think that resonates. I, imagine some because again, after Austin, after Rock, there was some you know young wrestlers and, and some good wrestlers like you mentioned Batista. I think that that'd be a hell of a match too. But I, we have to fantasy book this because clearly, there's nobody on the roster currently that can beat Roman Reigns. So we have to wait for an ailing, injured Cody Rhodes to come back. And again, during the time of this show. We will talk more than likely about Cody Rhodes being the WWE champion, but still, I have to suspend my disbelief. I mean, so you, so Brock can't beat him, and Drew McIntyre can't beat him, but Cody Rhodes can beat him. Is that really best for business? I mean, Cody Rhodes, you know, making the loop as a WWE champion. The story is his dad never was champion, so Cody's the champion. Mm -hmm. Is that the draw that you want to see when you do the house show in, in Fargo? Is that is that is Cody at the top of the card the draw? I don't know. I mean, I think it makes for a heck of a moment. I'm still holding out hope that they can figure out a way to get one of the titles on KO. Because ever since Triple H has taken over, KO's been the most interesting character on Monday Night Raw, and I don't think it's particularly close. I, I, I just, just don't see I, how I, they do that at this point. Like I feel like Mania and having two nights and like night one, Roman's defending title X, night two, he's defending this title against The Rock. I don't know how else you do unless it's one of those stupid triple threat ones where like both belts are on the line to where he didn't get pinned. You have to book it that way because otherwise you're just in a box. Like we keep right. saying, and everybody, every wrestling show like this, actually there's no other wrestling show like this, but a lot of wrestling shows <laughs> right. would say like, okay, so you got, so we got to get the, one of the titles off of Roman. Well, you, how do you do that? Outside <laughs> of a triple threat where it's like one title's on line, it's a, it's a combined championship. This is what Vince has left. And Triple H, I'm sure, every day is trying to figure out that i got to get the titles uh, off of Roman, uh, but doesn't know how to do it. Right. It's, 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 yeah, it's, 
this is this is what you this is what you've been painted into a corner with with these titles. Well, and and it's so weird because Vince wrote himself like a playbook on how to get out of this because <laughs> you had Becky Lynch not that long ago win both the SmackDown and Raw women's titles at WrestleMania, and then she had to defend both titles. And in one night, lost one, retained the other, and then you go your separate ways. And it, it's tougher, I understand, with Roman because they've built him up into this unbeatable character. So it's tough even to get one off of him. But like, I, I, I honestly, so let's say, let, let okay, let's fantasy book it, and you're going to do two matches. One's going to be versus Cody. You know, let's say Cody yeah. comes back healthy, wins the Rumble. You have Cody one night. You have the Rock the other night. Which one's the the main event of night two? It's it, it's Roman Rock. You can, yeah. It'll be the main. And I don't need a title on the line for that. I mean, I can see a scenario where Rome where Roman's not the champion, but yet Roman Rock is the main event at WrestleMania, and I'm okay with that. Well, well, I'd be okay with that too. But uh, doesn't because so so here's the, I guess the the problem with that. Like Roman Rock clearly makes sense to be the last match of the entire show. But even if you're doing one title one night, one title the previous night, if Cody beats and ends the streak of Roman Reigns the night before, doesn't that diminish Rock on night two? No, I think that plays into, like, mentally, like, where's Roman's head? Like, are we going to see The Rock beat him also? Like, Roman's beatable now. I think you could find a way to craft that story. Okay, so that means that if this, if this is going to happen, and this is why this is interesting, if we do get Rock and Roman, and Roman is not the champion, I'm okay with that. But if Ro- if Roman beats Rock, if, if Rock beats Roman, Rock's not going to be the champion. He's not going to be the champion. So that doesn't work. That's a sleeper hold. That's yeah. sleeper. <laughs> it's just that's just GKB president Steve Palazzino coming in your naked choke on on Rowitz. Didn't expect that running. It's <laughs> <laughs> the president of the company. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't been, I haven't expected a lot from this show, but like, and I haven't had the foresight on a lot of things. I did not see a Politzine or heel turn coming on GKW. Like, I didn't see it. No way does he realize this is on air. Like, he just probably walked in, like, oh, there's someone in the conference room. So. Wait a minute. What is Steve Politzine coming in with the rear naked show? What the hell? Politzine. That's a weird one. I didn't expect that. What was I saying? Oh, yes. So, so, please continue. If if Roman loses the championships, it's got to happen at Royal Rumble. Yeah. Because that's when when Cody will be healthy, right? I mean, the other one, if we're going to throw just wild fantasy ideas, is there a way to put one of the belts on Sammy? Because you talk about how great KO's been. Sammy's been damn good, also. He is so entertaining as part of the bloodline. Yeah, Sammy he's been a Zane? great character. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The fourth member of the bloodline, that's Jay Hood left. And <laughs> Jay Hood left. He's gone. He's okay. You know, we got to. It's Rikishi's fourth son. It's part of the family. He's Rikishi's fourth son. This is unbelievable. Know, I guess. All right. What's been more crazy in the last five minutes? Steve Palatino <laughs> running or Rowett suggesting that Sammy Zane takes one of the titles? Oh, Sammy Zane! 
Like, like now I'm actually worried he choked you because now you have a lack of oxygen going to your brain. I mean, seriously. That's your idea. Like, hey, bud. Like, here's the thing. Sammy, yes. I, hey, I will give props to Sammy. Sammy, as the honorary ooze, Sammy and the bloodline has been hilarious. It's been great comedic relief, especially with the way the Uso brothers have been split on him. He's got the secret handshake with, with uh, Jimmy. Jay's a little, you know, uh, he, he still gives him the, the you know cold shoulder. He gives him the stare down. Sammy Zayn as universal champ? Nah, I'm out on that. It, it, it's unbelievable, bro. It's- how how is it that you're in West Palm? You should have been working in Stanford, Connecticut under Vince. Vince would have loved you. God damn, Sammy Zane. <laughs> you heard it here first. I'm just saying, oh, you heard it here first. Sammy Zane, of all people, a comedy act in the WWE. Hey, you, you you the, no. And then the main event is what? Our Truth versus Zane? That's the WrestleMania main event? Brian Roach, Put the 24-7 title on the line, too? Speaking of 20 years ago, Brian Roach would have booked Eugene as a WWE champion. <laughs> <laughs> he would have booked Eugene as I mean, a champion. he was pretty over. Oh, my God. Champion. Oh, my God. That, that will be the tombstone on this show. Eugene <laughs> was pretty over. That'll be the end of GKW. That'll be the end. They will shut us down after that. Eugene, for God's sake. <laughs> okay, we're... I am I am terrified for the, what number three is here because now after the suggestions that Brian has thrown out, I am terrified of what he is going to suggest as part of our next segment here. Number three on the three count. This backyard booking. Minded, that's all I'm saying. Oh all right, God. number three, the Pro Wrestling Illustrated top five of the PWI 500 was unveiled this week with the top ten being unveiled on Busted Open. The top ten were... At number 10, Jonathan Gresham. Number 9, Big E. 8, Vikingo. 7, Brian Danielson. 6, Cody Rhodes. 5, Bobby Lashley. 4, Hangman Page. 3, CM Punk. 2, Okada. And number 1, the man we've talked about, Roman Reigns. What was your reaction and what would you change to the PWI Top 10? So it's worth keeping in mind that this is July 1st through June 30th of yep. this year. So a lot of the stuff the last couple of months that happened with John Moxley not included. Uh, so that, you know, just some other notables. Mox was 12th, MJF 16th, Seth Rollins uh, was number 17 uh, in terms of some other wrestlers that finished just outside that Top 10. I mean, Roman's number one. I viewed it. It's it's clear. It makes sense. Um, I was really, I mean, I, Big E got hurt on March 11th. Like, so he was hurt for about a quarter of the year. So for him to be in the top 10, that was surprising to me just because his, I, I think we all wanted more from his championship run. I don't think we blame him for that. I think we blame the guy that's no longer there for that. Um, so I guess I, I love Big E. I was glad to see he was in the top 10, but I was surprised to see that he was in the top 10. Um, you know, Cody Rhodes makes sense to me, but at the same time, he was gone for a month and a half because February 15th was his, his con- when his contract expired in AEW. And then we didn't see him until WrestleMania. Clearly there were rumors out there. We all kind of anticipated he was going to be Seth Rollins' opponent. And then he got hurt on June 5th. So he was out for two and a half months of this as well. I, 
So I was I was a little surprised to see him as high as he was. I understand the impact that he had with his return to WWE, but I was a little surprised that he was number six on the list. So I still would have put Moxley in that top ten. I might have taken Big E out. Jonathan Gresham as ROH champion, right? Yeah. As, R- yeah. as ROH champion. Mm. Uh, not defending it all the time. Not a lot of cards to defend it on. Now, was is he a top ten wrestler in the world? Top twenty, for sure. A hell of a wrestler, right. especially on the indies, right? And so, I mean, he's fantastic. Top ten, probably not. And to throw I this probably... out here, by the way, their criteria, which they put out there, PWI, in ring achievement, so that's you know, winning titles, things like that. Influence, technical ability, and level of competition. That's what they, you know, how they rank the guys. Well, that's tough with Gresham, right? Because I, I can I can make a case for Matt Cardona re, reinventing himself, yeah. Right? He was if, if, it, if anything, bro, it's that should be your guy, right? <laughs> a, a guy that his is he left the WWE, made a name for himself, was the NWA champion for a cup of coffee, but also all these little independent circuits, he was able to win the championship, right? And, mm-hmm. and I think that he's really made a great name for himself. Got injured, of course, had to give up the NWA championship, but that guy deserves some consideration as well. Yeah, I agree with that one. I mean, some of my things, to your point, Gabe, I think Cody should be higher. Like, we talk about influence. Like, I know a lot has happened in wrestling in 2022, but, like, Cody making that jump was sort of a really big deal, and then that Hell in a Cell match, you know, sort of took it that next level. So I would have put him up. I agree Mox should be top 10. What about Osprey also? Like every time that guy's in the ring, he delivers. Like we're watching him versus a 16-year-old in some random gymnasium and he's tearing the house down. So like <laughs> I have him in the top 10. I mean, we're not watching. You're watching oh. that, but I don't know about I think we. Jay would watch that one also. <laughs> I don't care. Hood, you could I mean, I was trying to make a point, pal. Like you could have just stuck with me for a second. Yeah. <laughs> and then for me, like if you're putting guys in the top 10, obviously some have to come out. I don't know if Lashley's top 10 to me. Like, yeah, him as champion was great, but, like, what do you remember of Lashley's title run? Like, what are those matches? Like, oh, I that was a great match. Like, I don't remember anything from it. See, you were, you know, Black Twitter was on your side, and now you've turned <laughs> heel on Bobby Lashley. They ain't going to like that. I know. Like I that. Just, Lashley doesn't do it for me. No, the, Wait, the guy who's too high – what do you mean? What? He doesn't do it for you. The guy's he's a Vince guy. He's, he's Vince. Like he, he looks the part, and then it's just sort of whatever. Oh my god! <laughs> really? Bobby yeah. Lashley's a Vince guy, so he's not over with you. The guy's yeah. giving you quality. He's he's as good now as he ever has been. The guy doesn't age. Look at him. He looks like the same guy That's he true. was at a TNA. He's in the ring with Trump. He looks the same as he did at the fourth field. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? He looks great. He looks the part. The rest is uh, whatever. You're fine with him top 10? I think think the disconnect right now with with Lashley is when he was with MVP, like that felt big. And for the majority of this, he was with MVP. So I think that's something you have to remember. But to say you don't remember anything of his – like the hurt – you know, with the Hurt Business was legit, man. Like the Hurt Business was good. It was great. And I really, I really hate that he doesn't have MVP and MVP as good as he can be is in that manager role is now relegated to Omas, 
who's back to doing squash matches on Monday Night Raw. So cool. Um, but I, I think the two of those together, if we can find a way to get Lashley and MVP reunited, I understand that probably means a heel turn for Bobby Lashley, but cool. I, I'm, I'm well, down with it. Was MVP out there with almost for that squash match on Raw? I don't remember. Yeah. Was MVP out? He was out there. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I couldn't remember. I mean, that was awful. For a squash match, that was pretty bad. That's why – so MVP deserves better. Yes. You're right. With the, hurt, with the Hurt business, I think it was fantastic. People like that. And for him to be with almost they, this adds a Vince project out. Now you talk about a Vince project. You know about that with with Lashley. Lashley's legit. Almost is a Vince guy. He should be down at NXT. Actually, should be NXT. Should be fired. Almost yeah. can't move. <laughs> he can't move. He, he's not a good wrestler yet. Come on, man. Come hey, on. So watch what you say though. If he's fired, all of a sudden he's in AEW, and you got him versus Satnam main eventing Dynamite one week. So no, okay. First of all, that's got main event of Rampage written all over it. Okay. All right, let's let's not get out of control here. It's Friday um, night. <laughs> you know what that means? Satnam singing against almost. <laughs> oh my god, that'll break. That, that's a, that's about four hundred thousand fans. Yeah. You're right. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm actually the the one name that is probably way too high for me is Adam Page. Uh, to see him at number four, but, but but he was on a roll though, Gabe. But you you want to talk about a a championship run that seemingly had no teeth? Like that's the one to me. Like even Ryan was trying to make that case for Bobby Bobby Lashley. Like he was your champ, but it just it, it felt it. It never felt as good, and, and maybe that was the story that they told with Kenny and him finally chasing down Kenny and beating Omega for that championship, and you weren't going to top it. So everything after that felt like a disappointment. Um, but like MJF at 16 and Adam Page at four, like that feels like way too big of a gap. Fair. Uh, very fair. I yeah, can't, I, mean, I, can't I agree. Disagree. I agree. Hangman's title run to me, same thing. Like, I think because we hit such a high with him in the chase and the payoff that everything else after that sort of felt like a letdown. Yeah, so this is why we we are looking at this list. And I think it's, it's fascinating. Okada, and by the way, no one's bitching about Okada. That guy nope. is, is always in the top three, <laughs> top five of greatest wrestlers uh, in this era. No doubt about mm-hmm. that. And, I mean, CM Punk being three makes a ton of sense to me because he – Again, despite some of the things that he said in his press conference, there are a lot of things that he said were true in terms of his drawing ability. People tune in. And June 30th, it, like he was healthy for this entire year. He has not been healthy since this, you know, because, again, it goes July 1st through June 30th. But he was healthy, and he was wrestling on a pretty frequent basis for AEW, carrying for them. So CM Punk at three, I don't even have a problem because I can make that make sense in terms of his influence in AEW, his record in AEW, the competition he faced in AEW, um, the pay-per-view matches that he had. Like I am I am okay with the, again, with the caveat of July 1st through June 30th, July 1st, 2021 through June 30th, 2022, CM Punk being the first AEW wrestler on this list makes sense to me. By the way, was there a separate women's list for this? So what they had, they had a few women that were on the list, but there will be a separate women's list and a separate tag team list. Okay, because I'm sure that that is going to be Bianca Belair, right? More than likely. Yeah, I would I would imagine Bianca's one and Britt Baker's probably Britt. two. Yeah. 
Um, Britt Baker. Becky Lynch. Because, again, it's through June 30th. So, Becky, you know, Becky got hurt, but now she's gone. But during this time, she was spent the majority of this time as the women's champ. Um, one of the women's champs for for WWE. So those those are probably your top three, I would assume. You know, you know what's great about the business guys is that I think that PWI can come up with 500 women wrestlers. You got 500 men or more for sure that made the list. It shows you how great the business is that you can be able to compile that many probably women uh, through the indies and the big major companies that can make this list. It just shows you how so much uh, there's so much talent out there. It's awesome. And it's cool yep. you follow them on Twitter, like seeing the reaction of the guys and girls. Like, I don't know his name. I saw someone take a photo shoot with the balloons because he was number 311. Like, it was such a big deal, like an indie guy. And, like, you know, the fact that you're on this list, like, it's a big deal to these wrestlers. It's, and, <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's one of the cool things, right? Like, the fact that you can make this. Like, it's, it's very obviously something that's really meaningful still. Like, the fact that pro wrestling, you know, Pro Wrestling Illustrated can still put out this list and have the meaningful impact. Like, I can't think of another sport. Like, if, you know, The Athletic, for example, ranks basketball players every year. I don't see Giannis sending out a tweet, oh, I can't believe I'm number one, you know? Like, just not doing it. You know, it's it, I, there's not going to be somebody who's celebrating, oh, I made number 80 this year in the NBA. But in, in pro wrestling, like, this is very much a list that's celebrated amongst those in the industry. And because we see – so, it, to me, it gives it validation for us to talk about because we see how much it means to the actual performers. Yes, there's also the petty, though, also on Instagram with Flying Brian Jr., when you're the 353rd best wrestler in the world, but run a 4.640 and have a 50-inch box jump, <laughs> so you got you got he got Brian Pillman Jr. as pissed that he's 353 in the list. Hey, stop <laughs> jobbing out on Dynamite, and maybe your, your your number will be higher. Yeah, he was not happy about being 353. And then there's also the fact, and I feel bad for number 500, but they admitted that Cash was supposed to be on the list at like 150 something. And then some sort of oversight, he got deleted, so wasn't part of the 500. But they apologized for that. So my head is like, oh, well, that means that you ranked 501. So sorry to Mr. 500. You actually didn't quite make it. <laughs> <laughs> the best. The I'm, best. I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often. Yeah. Uh, because, again, it's 500 wrestlers. It's a lot to go through. Um, hopefully someday you're, uh, you know, consider. Brian, because you watch so many of these indie shows through Fight TV, it's fantastic that you know you'll be able to give your insight to Bryce someday. Uh, what Best do we have in our news next year? What, what'd you say, Brian? <laughs> Best pizza chef in the top ten next year. Oh my God, pizza chef! Oh God, low point of the show. Right, Lo lowest point of the show. Pizza chef on a busy on a busy wrestling show. Yeah. He gets the, he gets the A block on the show. Hey, it's pizza chef. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw it out there. Dynamite oh, last night, 1.2 million, their highest number in quite some time. The same oh. one that Pizza Ooh. Chef debuts on. I don't oh. know. Coincidence? <laughs> was it? Was that the number? 1.2? Yes. Nope. No kidding. Yep. Wow. So. Wow. But that's a, that's a, that's not. I'm not necessarily necessarily always into the numbers because they're so somewhat skewed. But that's a pretty good number. For just semifinal matches, yep. For just semifinal matches and a a ten minute uh, Stokely Hathaway promo, not bad. <laughs> that was a long <laughs> promo. Yeah, holy cow! Especially after MJF just gave a ten minute promo, it was the longest segment of the night. Yeah. So yeah. 
All right, guys. News and notes. NXT 2.0 celebrated one year this past Wednesday, and they unveiled, well, the new NXT logo. It had some black and gold to it. Some on Twitter calling it NXT 1.5. Yeah. Let's uh, go back to the black and gold. Uh. <laughs> well, we know what this means. That means no more looking like the Jenny Jones show. No more <laughs> splashes of paint and all this bright, bright lights and stuff. Lights out. That's right. You got to go back to the dark era of NXT. And I don't mean like dark era as far as the action, but you remember that, right? It was a oh, cave yeah. in there. Cave. Dark. Right? And so, so, so yeah. They also, uh, there's also ringing back the TakeOver moniker for their, uh, for, for some of their big events that Triple H wants to bring back the TakeOver, which was banned by Vince and Kevin Dunn and people of that ilk. Now, now, bro, it's, I will not watch until the action gets better. Like, I know they're up to, what, 728,000? That's a hell of a number for Tuesday night, too. Yes, it is. That just, it just shows you how, you know, how Raw is getting better, SmackDown is getting better with big numbers, and now NXT is being carried. You can tell me it's TakeOver all you want, but you better have better action because the TakeOvers that we knew were all great. They were all 100%. outstanding. So, TakeOver but, uh, always delivered. The one thing I'll say about 2.0, I've had it on more the last few weeks, and part of it's just like, oh, well, Hunter's involved. Somehow it'll be better. It hasn't been that great. Carmelo Hayes, though, that guy can go. And I assume he's getting called up soon. He dropped the title on Wednesday. That guy, anytime he's on my TV, I'm looking up. Mm. So ultimately, you're really watching for Wendy Chu. The, uh, the lady, it, it, and if you don't know who she is, she's the one that's always looking like she's sleeping. She's yeah. in a nighty and she's wrestling with a, with a pillow or something. Some nonsense. That, that is her gimmick. Yeah. Elsewhere, Tony Khan on Wrestling Observer Radio says there's a challenge in sending AEW guys to Wrestle Kingdom because the show is on a Wednesday, so it would impact two of his AEW shows. Uh, I but, would I would say just you just go ahead and do it like. Okay, it's against Russell King. You know when Russell Kingdom is. It's every January, first week of January, and you just have to be in Seattle. Figure it out, man. Just figure it out. I think that especially if you're going to put the title on Brian and he eventually drops it to MJF, the reward for him should be New Japan. Like This is something that he wants to do. It's something that he obviously wanted to do. It's why he came to your company. You have to reward that. If – I mean – the door is open for AEW guys to go to WWE. That, that, that door was opened by Cody Rhodes. And maybe there's more guys that follow. And if you want to hold on to Brian Danielson, to me, you've got to make sure you have some flexibility and let him do some New Japan stuff. It's um, it's a tricky one, though, because as we mentioned earlier, because Brian is from Seattle, he's really the draw, right? He's the draw. And if if he's going to New Japan, it makes me wonder: Will he win the championship next week? Right? Will he like he'll take the championship to Japan? I, I have no idea how this works. All I know is that people will walk up even the day of, and they know Danielson's there. And they're like, you know what? Let's go to the arena. First time AEW's in town. Let's go see our guy because he represents Seattle. If he's not there, how does that work? Do people yeah. not go because Danielson's not there? That does matter, by the way. He's the only one in the company that is from that. Pacific Northwest in Seattle. So I don't know how that's going to work. But to the other point, like we've talked about the relationships AEW's had, like it was very one-sided between them and Impact. So far, them and New Japan, it's been a one-sided relationship all for AEW. And I feel like this is the chance for Tony to sort of pay back and say, hey, you can't have a Danielson, you can't have a Kenny, you can't have the Bucks. Like 
he'd really have to sort of, you know, show up and say, okay, thank you for giving us Osprey and a random dynamite to work a trios match. You can have Danielson on your main show. Yeah, I mean, and I'm assuming FTR is still going to be the champs at that point because they are the IWGP tag team champs, among other champs. So my guess is they're going to have to go. You would think so. And finally, news and notes mentioning <laughs> the Young Bucks. Dave Meltzer says this week that there have been feelers put out by the Bucks to the WWE. So this report was, you know, they've reached out to his They've had these conversations before. It's not like they're asking to talk to management, but it's just little feelers just to kind of see what their options potentially could be, depending upon how things play out here in AEW with an independent third-party investigation going on with whatever happened in their locker room brawl. Uh, I could see a super kick party. Super kick. I could see those guys being WWE. I, I, I told you guys a couple weeks ago, that I think that Cody Rhodes is the Pied Piper in all this, where he's talking to Triple H. He goes, you know, there's a lot of guys that are not happy in AEW. I left for a reason. And so for the Young Bucks, putting feelers out there didn't surprise me. Uh, but if they lose the Young Bucks, what does that do for AEW? I think the company would be fine, quite frankly. I think the company would be fine because he got a lot Just of Just did 1.2 million last night. Without him. Without him, right? Because, because wrestling. The answer, because wrestling. Because wrestling. Could you imagine Kenny Omega also? And I'm not always his contract situation. What if he leaves too? I think there's a number of people that look at AEW and say, this is chaotic. I'm out of here. I'm going to the WWE. But, to, but still, from an AEW standpoint, they got to hang on. You got a lot of young talent. Still keep building on your young roster because really, if you want to make it, that's what's going to help your company for the long haul, the young talent and getting them over. But is there something that's sort of the Young Buck relationships? Like, yes, they don't have to be on TV every week. And maybe they're so far removed from the indies that those relationships aren't there. But I feel like a lot of the big names signing are because they have relationships with the Bucks. And I feel like that's where it would sort of be impacted the most is not having them to sort of bridge that gap to where you don't have the quote-unquote old guys trying to recruit some of this young talent to your company. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know if the Bucks really – do they still bridge that gap? I mean, it's been a while since we've seen, like, I mean, yeah. what's the latest young talent that's go come into AEW? It's It's been mostly been guys who were there since day one. Those are still your young talents, your Jungle Boys, your Darby Allens, MJF, you know, the four pillars that we talk about. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, they've just supplemented with more veterans. CM Punk, Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, you know, like those are the guys that have been, you know, Claudio Castan. Those are the guys that have come in. It's not like they've gone out and started developing young talents. It's been more about getting those guys to supplement the young talent that they already signed. You get that ROH brand going and you push those veterans over there, then the young talent can come out more. But while ROH is still in limbo, this is what you're going to have, a mishmash of a lot of veterans and the young guys. Like I'll give you an example. Like um, Private Party. Remember when AEW first started, people were thinking, oh, man, those two, despite yes. the whole thing with Matt Hardy and that old ridiculous stuff. Point is, though, that was supposed that's supposed to be their spot, not the acclaimed spot for the AEW right. Tag Team Championships, right? But those guys have been pushed to dark and elevation. You don't even see them anymore. That's the point. You got to move some of those veterans over to ROH whenever you get it started so that way the young talent can manifest. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, very early in the AEW, like they beat the Young Bucks in the initial tag team tournament. Like that's what everyone got. And they could go, man. Like, and they still can go. They just haven't gotten those opportunities. All right. Let's move on. And our final thing that we do each and every week here on GKW, what was your match of the week? Uh, for me, like last night, the tag title match, like those guys are ridiculous. Serving on Glory Lucha Bros. Like just some of the things they do with like, I still don't understand how they do it, but my match of the week going back to Monday, Johnny Gargano, Chad Gable, like we forget how good Gable is. Jay had mentioned him earlier, like those two just being allowed to wrestle. I know it's a reoccurring theme today, but just wrestling, like that was fun to watch those two just go on Monday. Well, Jay Hood mentioned it earlier about, you know, right now AEW is just putting on good wrestling matches to try to separate themselves from what happened um, post All Out. And what Triple H has done to try to separate himself from Vince is allow really good wrestling matches to happen, whether it's been KO and, and some of the matches he's put on each and every week. But I'm with you. Like, Johnny Gargano and Chad Gable. Yeah, Chad Gable can go, man. Like, he's he's a really good wrestler, and he's built himself into this annoying heel character that's hilarious to me. And, oh, by the way, he can still go. And him and Johnny Wrestling, I agree with Rowitz. That was my match of the week for Monday night. Yeah, I think we can all agree. I do want to give a shout-out to SmackDown with Imperium against the Brawling Brutes. Um, just, to, just to see that. Uh, I mean, all six of those guys. Oh, God. <laughs> beat the hell out of each other. And I love the finish of, uh, of SmackDown, too. Because Karrion Cross, we, we we don't talk about him very often because he hasn't been in the ring. But just like these little vignettes and these little interview things, the way he was able to attack at the end, attacking Drew McIntyre. Yeah. Is that, yeah it's a, and then the, the the screen goes black and white. And he, yeah. you know, that was that in the way the show just kind of faded off and it was just dark, kind of like an old macabre, you know, um, you know, old black and white movie. It was interesting the way that they ended SmackDown. So I like that as well. Yeah, and Triple H has done a nice job kind of – oh, yeah, not not like last week when we each had to give three. A little bit of a thinner week in terms of the (laughs) premium wrestling matches that were put out there. Um, But, but, uh, yeah, again, I I just lean on Gargano and Chad Gable because it was fantastic. Uh, Don't forget uh, our next show. Thin Pickens. Yeah, Thin Pickens, guys. Got a tough week, but we got got through it. (laughs) (laughs) Holy cow. But we do have a special show. Our next show is not going to be next Thursday. Special show. Make sure you tune in to that special GKW Wednesday night. It's going to be right after AEW Dynamite Grand Slam. There is going to be an AEW New World Champion crown. We're going to talk about that and everything else that happens at Arthrash Stadium. AEW Dynamite Grand Slam will be on after it, so make sure you find us. ESPN 1000, ESPN LA, Madison, Milwaukee, New York, West Palm, all those places you normally find us. You can find us right after AEW Dynamite Grand Slam next week. We'll, of course, still be back next Thursday. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. This has been GKW.